Amen. Well, praise the Lord. In Psalm chapter number one, we're going to begin in verse number one. We're going to be picking up, like I said, this train of thought where we were in our previous message. We're looking at the foundational aspect of our union with the Lord. So verse number one says, blessed is the man that walketh, not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So you have a uh, there is someone who is not walking, standing, or sitting with those that are basically sinners. And, and, and the blessing is that there are times in our lives that we attribute blessings to temporal things in life. But there are uh, greater considerations to be made when you look at it from a heavenly perspective. Uh, there is a blessing in the fact that you no longer are who you once were. See, there, sometimes we look at blessings as $5 bills, but their greatest blessing is a new life. And the psalmist here is looking forward to that new life in Christ post being saved. He's looking forward to that new changed life. And he's saying, blessed is a person who's no longer doing what they once did. They're no longer walking with the same people. They're no longer standing in the same places. And they no longer sit where they used to sit. Now they are living a new life. The power, the transformation of God in their life has changed them. And they no longer walk the way they once did. You can actually see it in their lives. This is one of the greatest and purest and best blessings that God gives his children. It's new life. We are not who we used to be. The Bible says that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And when you look at a verse of scripture like this, and you, we sometimes scan past it and we lose the significance of it, but you need to remember, not all blessings are $5 bills. The true blessing is that God changed our lives. This is the truest and purest blessing that God can give us, new life in Christ. So it's not just that God gives us a new mannerism. It's not that God just reprograms us. It's that the power of God is active in our life. We are not who we used to be. We're completely new. We are born again, born by the Spirit of God and made new creatures in Christ Jesus. Now, continuing into verse number two, he says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, does he meditate day and night? This is a trademark, if you will. This is a characteristic of a person who is blessed. This is a person who has been touched by the Spirit of God. A person who has received Christ and is no longer who they used to be, they have new desires. So not only are we not doing what we once did, but now we're doing what we used to not do. There's a complete swapping, 180 degrees. This attributes to the fact that when God does a work in us, he creates a hunger in us. 
There is a desire for the child of God to be with God's people. There is a desire in the child of God to be in the Lord's house. There's a desire in, the, in, the, in God's people to know him, to love him. And you're not going to do that outside of getting into the word of God. And that's what it's saying here is this person, they, the delight is in the law of the Lord. This is the Old Testament way that they knew God. We know God in a different way now because that way has been made open through Jesus Christ. There's now, we're not dealing with shadows. We're not dealing with types. We're dealing with the reality of the substance of the power of God in a person's life by faith in Jesus Christ. So we're not just saying that this person is no longer going and doing what they used to do. If you take somebody out of a bar room, it doesn't make them saved. You have to have faith in Christ and then the power of God in that person. So it's not just taking somebody out of a situation, but it's making them new so that their desires are redeemed. Amen? Their desires are redeemed. And it says, in his law, does he meditate day and night? This meditation, I just got to touch on this. When the Bible uses the word meditation, it is not some Eastern thing where you hum a certain word and use your fingers against your thumb. This is the way that Eastern mysticism teaches. When God says to meditate, he's saying to take a verse of scripture, to take something that he has said and to hold on to it. Let it roll over in your heart and in your mind. Think on it. Let it just saturate your heart and mind. So the the world's way of meditating is to empty your mind. But God's way of meditating is to fill your mind. It's a completely different thing, completely different concept, but I have to add it as this message goes out. So verse number three, where we want to get to so we can bridge into our next part, is we're going to take this message just a little bit deep, deeper than where we were earlier. So verse number three says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, regardless of the outside, the outside situation or circumstance, regardless of what's going on on the outside, this tree is producing fruit. This tree, it says that the leaf does not wither. So no matter how hot the temperature gets, no matter how much pressure is applied to it, no matter how, how the drought may be there, it may be years since this tree has experienced rain, but it still is not withered. This shows you that it is not what you see visually that makes the difference, but it is what this tree is rooted into that makes all the difference. And when we look at our lives as men and women of God, when we are rooted in Christ, we will in like manner be prosperous in the fact that God will be at work in our lives, no matter how harsh the climate may be around us. I said earlier that no matter how great the pressure is on the outside, do you realize the pressure on the outside of you is irrelevant if there is something greater on the inside of you? This is how we see this 
working the life of God working through this tree it is planted by rivers of water and it brings forth fruit but it says the leaf will not wither that that tells us it there is nothing in this verse that says that any rain came upon it so its source its substance was what the tree was rooted into what the tree was rooted into makes all the difference. See, if you have a, a tree that's rooted into sand, when a little bit of wind blows, the tree's going to come down. But if that tree is rooted into some kind of hard clay and dirt mixture and it's packed in really good, those roots get in deep and they begin to, they begin to protect the tree from the outside pressure. Well, it's the same way in our life. This is what the psalmist is telling us. This is what God is telling us in the scripture is that it's not so it's not about how big round tall beautiful the tree is it's not, the strength is not in the outward circumstance it's not in the outward appearance it's not about what the tree is on the outside but the difference is what's going on on the inside that makes all the difference it is what this tree is rooted into now, when we see this uh, applied in Scripture, we, we can also see that sometimes in our lives, we think that we need different situations. We think that we need different circumstances. We think that we may need different people in our lives, or we just need, a, 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 you know, a little bit of help doing this, or, you know, we would, do, we would be where we need to be if so-and-so would do what they're supposed to do. We think that these outward situations and circumstances are what we're missing, this is, you see this in society right now. Everybody in society is mad because their outward circumstances are not the way they think are the most beneficial for them. But the Bible teaches us, regardless of the outward circumstances, what we're rooted into determines what the fruit outflowing is. The fruit outflowing is just a testimony of what, is, what we are rooted into. So the, the fruit is a testimony. You can't fake fruit. You can't do anything like that. You can't, um, you know, plump it up. It is what it is. We either are or we are not. In God, there's no gray area. It's black or white. It's of God or it's not of God. It's holy or unholy. It is um, this, this way in the Lord. So the, in order for someone to function and flourish where no rain is, they must be rooted in Christ. The only way that a man or a woman of God can walk in the fullness of the Spirit, and I want you to key in on that word, in the fullness of the Spirit, the only way somebody can do that is when they're rooted in Christ. God's way of sustaining his children is through relationship. It's not through head knowledge. It's not through church membership. It's not through you being able to school somebody on a systematic theology book. The way that God sustains his people is through a relational knowledge of himself. And we know in the New Testament that the way God relates to us is through the person of his son, through the person of Jesus Christ. God sent his son to be our savior, to die on the cross for our sins, and to open the door to glory for sinners like us. God has given us that opportunity to come to him by faith. And so when we see this, that it is this rootedness in Christ that is necessary for you to flourish 
in the time in which you live. Now, you may say, well, Brother Kenny, you don't understand what it's like in my situation. Well, no, I don't, but I know who God is, and I know that God's supply does not and is not deficient. God's supply is enough. God is enough to give you the ability to flourish in your time or in your situation. Now, we know over in Jeremiah chapter 12, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, he says, you know, if, if you're, you, you ran with the footmen and you wearied, what are you going to do when the horsemen come? In other words, the Bible is saying, you know, if, if these little things wear you out, what are you going to do when the big battles come? If you get stressed out over this, what are you going to do when the big enemy knocks on your door? So the reality of the situation is the person who is rooted in Christ they're going to have a leaf that does not wither no matter how, how much they're squeezed, no matter how hard the situation becomes, no matter how strenuous it may be, and no matter how much it doesn't rain. Now, I said earlier that sometimes we get caught up because we begin looking at other people. We begin to say, well, they get more rain than I get. You see, they don't have to go through what I got to go through. It takes me, you know, a lot longer to get to where they are. They, they have it so good, they don't understand how good they have it. If I had it as good as them, I wouldn't complain at all. Well, yes, you would. Because the fruit of that complaint is just showing that you're not rooted in Christ. It's showing that you're beginning to get rooted in appearance. You're beginning to get rooted in your social standing. You're beginning to get rooted in something else, another system or another way. But the person who's rooted in Christ is someone who is foundationally secure and sustained by the life of God. And so with that, let me take you over to where I wanted to go to tonight, which is Ephesians chapter number three. Ephesians chapter number three. There's a, this, this is the second place where we see a rooted take place in the New Testament. Now, where we were earlier today, we looked at how we are rooted in Christ in the book of Colossians. And this is one of the most, I call it a, a meat and potatoes concept to the Bible. This is foundational in order for us to function. And here's the thing, in the society in which we live, we can't let these footmen wear us out right now. We need to get our foundation secure. We need to get our roots in Christ so that when the rain doesn't come and when the hard times come, we're able to still function and be useful for the kingdom of God. This was John Wesley's greatest prayer. He said, Lord, don't ever let me not be useful for the kingdom. And that should be our prayer as well. So here's that key. Here's that key principle in order for... Now, I want you to remember where we were in Psalm chapter 1. There was a tree that was planted by the water. Tree planted by the water. In order for that tree to function with no rain, it had to be rooted, and its roots had to get into the source of life. Its roots had to get into that source. And for us as believers, our source is Jesus. So Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to pick up this prayer that Paul is praying right in the middle of it in verse number 16. He said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might 
by his spirit in the inner man. This is where this transaction is going to take place. He's letting you know right here that it is in the inner man that God does his greatest work. God's, you know, if, if, if it was all about just tidying somebody up on the outside, look, that's what the Pharisees were. They were whitewashed sepulchers. They were beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, they were full of dead men's bones. And so God doesn't want that for his people. God's going to begin to do what he does on the inside. So you see that right here that he's going to strengthen us by his spirit in the inner man. So that's where we're talking about. This is the, the, the inner you. And look at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Some of, some of us, we have never read that. But Christ will actually dwell in your heart by faith. This is the hope of glory. The Bible tells us in another passage that the hope of glory is Christ in us. So Christ may dwell in your heart by faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, this is what I want you to see. There is, we are rooted into this love. Now, what love is that? That is the love that purchased you. It is a purchased love. That's what that is. God, you know that in John 3, 16, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is God's heart. This is God's love by giving us Jesus. And Jesus showed us God's love by dying at Calvary. Jesus showed us the love as his arms were nailed upon that tree, on that cross, now, what you see is that when we are rooted in that love, knowing that we are the purchased possession of God, it takes us and positions us into a place where you will know something that is not knowable. Do you see that? In verse number 19, it says that you will know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. You see that there is there is something that God does on the inside of a person when they realize that they are the purchased possession of Jesus Christ, that they are no longer their own, that they no longer belong to themselves, that they no longer belong to the country club. They no longer belong to the book club. They no longer belong to anyone else, but they are first and foremost, the purchased possession of Jesus Christ that when he was on the cross he was making a purchase of our soul and we're not going to deny him what he bought with his own blood and so the from this root follows relationship i want you to see that this knowledge that we're talking about is not book knowledge in order for a person to know and comprehend this kind of love that passes knowledge. It is not book knowledge, but it is relational knowledge. This is the ability to know what is not necessarily able to be pinned sometimes or worded sometimes. This is, this is going past 
getting into a book essay. This is going past giving a book report about the love of God and getting into a place where it is a transformative experience knowing that God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son for you. In this place, in this place of this relationship, where this relationship flows from this root, in that place, we get filled with the fullness of God. Do you see that? He said that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That right there coincides right back into Psalm 1 because that tree had the fullness of that river. There was never a moment that the leaf withered. And as you are rooted in the love of Christ, there will never be a moment that you wither. There will never be a dry season. There will never be a time where you go without. There, You'll never have lack. You will always have the fullness of God. Now, your situation may not be fun. Your situation may not be the best. You may find yourself in a prison. You may find yourself in a palace. But what you'll find is that the presence of God will be with you wherever you are God said he would never leave you and he would never forsake you he said he would not fail you but he would sustain you when you cast your cares upon him in this relational aspect of knowing God there comes this rootedness into his love and then you get this fullness of God where there is no lack you'll be filled with this fullness not experiencing this lack that oftentimes many people have. Many people have an emptiness. Many people have a void. Uh, some people are looking for relationship. They're looking for value. They're looking for their standing with people from the world. They're looking for someone to love them. They're looking for someone to be thankful for them. There's sometimes people will even come to church and they'll say, well, nobody thanked me for doing what I was supposed to do. But you know what? When we have the fullness of God in us, we already have that going on. We, we have and are walking and are experiencing God's love. So whether anyone else loves us or not, is it just rolls off our back. It, whether somebody else appreciates us or not, it rolls off our back. Why? Because we are living for an audience of one. We are loving an audience of one. We honor an audience of one. Our motivation is for an audience of one. But when we get off track, we begin to be men pleasers. We begin to be people pleasers. And that will never sustain the soul. There will always be someone who we're not good enough for. And oftentimes you'll find that whenever you try to go down that road, it's a never-ending road of trying to make people happy, but it's not possible until God changes their hearts. So what we see here is that there's this relationship that flows through the rootedness. And out of the rootedness, uh, we see that there is no lack. There is no dry area, but there's a fullness that sustains us, a fullness that sustains us. Now here, I want you to see something else. This knowledge and this intimacy with God, it doesn't come from what you did yesterday. It doesn't come from your church attendance or that you came to Sunday school or that you were born in a godly family. This 
relational aspect of God comes from your being rooted in Christ. It comes from your personal faith in Jesus Christ. And we're not just talking about, like how James said, even the devils believe and tremble. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a relational faith where you completely trust the Lord Jesus Christ for your every need, for your soul, and for your life. When we understand that this is how we get rooted in Christ, we will then see what, what the Bible says here. This is how you know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. So we're not talking about book knowledge. Now, speaking of knowledge, so we're not talking about book knowledge. I hope that you see that. See, you, there, this is an, an experience that, that goes past understanding. And so many things that pertain to God will pass natural reasoning. It'll pass natural reasoning. It, it just the example of God's holiness passes natural reasoning. It, it, it defies logic to understand that God is so holy that he cannot allow sinful people to go to heaven. So he has to cleanse us here. And so understanding this concept of intellectual knowledge, let me show you something in Hosea chapter 4. So if you have your Bible and you know where the book of Hosea is, you can go ahead and turn to Hosea chapter number 4. Now, it's right after the book of Daniel, so if you're thumbing through there, you can go ahead and go there. But this is an important passage sometimes we use whenever we're talking about things going on in the church world. A lot of times people characterize our church age as the Laodicean church age, where people have a, a form of godliness, they have a system, but they don't have the reality. And people are perishing in the meantime. In Hosea 4, in verse 6, God says here, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. What God said was, because you rejected knowledge, I'm going to reject you. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. This knowledge that God is talking about is not just book knowledge. Again, go back and look at the life of Christ in his first advent when he was here on the earth. The number one people that he came against were the Pharisees who had all the book knowledge. They had the lawyers, they had the Sadducees, they had the Pharisees, they had the book knowledge down, yet God's people were still perishing. So when we look at this verse of Scripture, there is an aspect that people are perishing because the truth isn't being told, because we don't share the whole gospel anymore in America. But here's the reality. It's not just book knowledge. It is relational knowledge. God is saying, because you rejected knowing me, I will reject you. It is not just being able to pass a the theological test on a piece of paper. It is not just being able to answer uh-huh to the right question, but it is about understanding and knowing God in a relational manner 
through faith in Jesus Christ. Christ is the manifestation of the fullness of God. It says he is the fullness of God in body. And so this destruction for a lack of knowledge is when people no longer hunger and thirst for God, but they begin to hunger and thirst for the things about God. This is where the Pharisees missed it. The Pharisees loved to get the accolades in the marketplace. They loved for people to say, look at the nice robe, look at, you know, their prayer shawl, look at, look at how they are, look how beautiful they are, look how they wash their hands everywhere they go seven times. Look at all this. But it was not in that that God was impressed. God actually rejected the Pharisaical system because they rejected knowing him in an intimate relational manner. And then Christ came and he now gives each and every person an opportunity to know God personally, to have an intimate relational knowledge of God through himself. So sometimes we see this and we, we think you know, that it's just simply because people don't understand certain aspects of truth, and that is true. But along with the aspects of truth, it must bring us to a relational truth. Now, always understand, whenever you understand or you get a revelation of God, it is to bring you into a closer union with God. God never will bring you a revelation so that you can write a book. I'll say that again. God will never give you a revelation so that you can write a book. When God gives you a revelation, it's so that you can know him more. It's so that you can experience him more, so that you will hear him more, so that you will know him in a more unique and intimate manner through Christ. This is why God gives us revelation. And so when we understand that aspect, now we understand why God's people perish. Because sometimes we put systems and denominations and we put formulas above the relational aspect of knowing God. But without that root, without that root of the relational knowing of God, we will not be like the tree planted by water. We will wither. We will falter. When pressure comes, we'll faint. When the footmen run, we'll fall out. But it is when our, when our root is founded in Christ, we will see a strength that is not of ourselves. That's what I wanted to get to, where it says that you, were, you would be filled with the fullness of God. That is a strength that is not your own. When you become filled with the fullness of God, you will begin to be able to walk, as Habakkuk says, you will be able to walk on the high places of your life. These are those, those places in your life that you were never able to get through before. Maybe somebody gossiping about you. Maybe somebody attacking you. Maybe not being able to provide. Maybe it's you, you were never able to you know, function in society, whatever it may be. But whatever that high place is, when God is at work in you and through you, in that fullness aspect, you'll be able to walk over those high places it says with hinds feet, that is quickly and swiftly like the feet of a deer, you will be able to go over the high place that you used to never be able to do because the power of God working in you and through you. This level of Christ's love is unattainable prior to being rooted in him. 
This level of knowing and experiencing his love is unattainable prior to, to being rooted in Christ. Now, I'm going to take you to one last passage as we come to a close. We'll go to Jeremiah chapter 17 as we just finish this out. So Jeremiah chapter 17, and we'll go down to verse number 7. It really actually just kind of coincides with Psalm number 1, and we just to pair that in together. So Jeremiah chapter 17, verse number 7. It says, blessed, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. So many times we pass over the significance of a statement like this. We think that we're not blessed until we get a new car. We think that we're not blessed until we get a new house. We think that we're not blessed until we get new clothes. We think we're not blessed till we get married. We think we're not blessed till we get children. We think we're not blessed until we get retired. We think we're not blessed until we, you know, become the Sunday school teacher or on the worship team or whatever it may be. We sometimes look at the blessings that God gives and we put and, and, and we really just kind of run it through the dirt and we make God's blessings to become temporal things. But God's blessings are not temporal. God's blessings are eternal. And when God blesses us, it's with himself. The greatest blessing God gives us is himself. They said earlier that Christ dwells in us by faith. The spirit of God lives in us. So blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. If you trust the Lord, you'll be blessed. You will be blessed if you trust in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. So many of us, we put our hopes in our politicians. We put our hopes in our 401ks. We put our hopes in the pills that we take. Some of us, we put our hopes in all kinds of things, but the ultimate person we must hope in is the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that this person, this blessed individual in verse 8, he shall be as a tree planted by the waters. Now that should sound familiar to you. He shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. What is it about this tree that makes it special? Is it the tree or is it what it's rooted in? It's not a special tree. Any tree that's planted by the right river will produce. And any person who is born again and rooted in Christ will produce godly fruit. Now, you can't judge somebody else just because they don't do as much as you or, you, you know, you do less than them. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about the power of God in somebody's life. This only can take place when a person is rooted by the river. And we know that Jesus said that whenever you believe on him, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This river that Jeremiah is speaking of is Christ. Jesus is that river of life for us. This is the same river that flows out of our bellies when we believe on him. This same river is what we are rooted into when we believe on him. And this river will sustain you in storms. This river will sustain you in times of drought. 
In desert seasons, this river will give you substance when others have overlooked you. This river of Jesus Christ will sustain you when others fail you. See, it's not about the type of tree. It's not about how tall the tree is. There's no description of the type of tree, the height of the tree, or the width of the tree. Because what type the tree is, is not important. What's important is that the tree is rooted into this riverbank, into Christ. And in like manner, we're all different. We come from different places. We have different calls on our life. We have different people that we are around, but we are all rooted into that same river. And each and every person who is rooted in Christ will experience the fullness of God in their life, this sustaining power of God that will give you the ability to bear up even in drought seasons, even in times of lack. Now, one of the things I want to close with was this one comment. It says that, you know, no matter how much the pressure is on the outside, it's irrelevant when you have something greater on the inside. And when you are rooted in Christ, you have a life source greater than that which is on the outside of you. So sometimes as believers, we forget and we neglect these principles. We sometimes forget that the life that we're called to live, God will never call us to do something in our own strength. God will never call you to be patient in your own strength. He'll never call you to glorify him in your own strength. He'll never call you to do anything in your own ability. God sustains and strengthens and supplies our every need. We just have to be rooted in him. And if you're not rooted in Christ tonight, if we could pray for you, I would love to do that. If you've never been born again, or if you've been in a place where maybe you've allowed your roots to kind of get out of place, we want to pray for you tonight. I, want to, I just want to believe with you that right now, God is doing a work in you, and God is awakening you to what the Spirit is speaking in this hour. No matter where you've been, I want you to know if you're listening, God is desiring to get you rooted back in Christ. And if you are rooted in Christ, I want to remind you of something. No matter how strong the hurricane is, no matter how hard the desert season is, there's more than enough in Jesus to sustain you and to carry you through. Just keep holding on to him, and he will pull you through whatever you're going through. I want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. And Lord, we pray for your grace and 